Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, episode 577, February the 6th, the year of our Lord, 2024. Today, we're going to go off script. Well, not really. We're just going to do something a little different that we haven't done for quite some time. We're going to do a Testify Tuesday. That is, I'm going to talk about some things that I think need to be put out there. Uh, not necessarily related to anything else that I would normally talk about. And today is going to be especially interesting because I'm going to talk about one of the forbidden topics, right? One of those things that they will instantaneously, well, disincentivize any of your listeners for following along. <laughs> uh, you know, the algorithms hate it. Uh, yesterday's episode, by the way, uh, so far, not looking uh, good as I record this, you know. Uh, I, I will own part of that and that I had a very late share set up on that. And, um, you know, hey, if the social media doesn't like you, maybe you're doing something right. <laughs> In any case, before I get on to the program, let me remind you, since I failed to do that on yesterday's episode, the best way we can continue to make a difference, the best way we continue to grow the program and be heard is for you, that's you and my listening audience, to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Sharing makes a big difference. Liking makes a big difference. Following on either the podcatcher of your choice and on the social media makes a big difference. That's not asking for very much. I'm not asking for any money. I'm not trying to put you out. Just I'm asking for your assistance to help me get the promotion out, to help me to get this built out. You know, I prior to the beginning of the year, I was averaging well over 800 uh, downloads, uh, that's gone down a little bit. <laughs> January has been very, very tough, uh, in real life. It, there's been a lot of things going on and, you know, I'm still doing my best to get here and get it out in a timely fashion and, and do the thing. But I got to tell you, it's been rough, but I think this is valuable. I think it's important and I would like you to do me a solid and do that. And if you're feeling particularly motivated, rating and reviewing, either an episode or the show in general is immensely helpful. The algorithm is not our friend. And look, as a Liberty advocate, I know, and I'm okay with the fact that the deck's stacked against me. I understand that the government has zero interest in people. I don't know, getting a culture of independence, getting put in their head that they should consider Texas first, considering uh, pushing back or demanding Liberty be respected. Yeah, they don't have any interest in that. And honestly, big tech and most of the big corporations don't want that either. But that's okay. I'm here. I'm going to do what I do as much as I can, as often as I can. Hopefully, you out there, you get to hear me and you get motivated. You get excited. You stay on task. You don't get beaten down. You don't get worn out. You don't give up. Because honestly, I think at this point, that's what they want. And when I say they, I just mean anybody that's not us. I don't necessarily believe in a giant grand conspiracy other than the, the great deceiver is manipulating events all around us, whether they are knowing or unknowing of what's going on. Yes, that is the ultimate conspiracy. But as far as the other details, I just don't have time to deal with that. If that's your thing and you appreciate that or you want to know more, I Highly recommend you check out the John Birch Society. That is their ballywick, and they do a great job at it. And I will freely admit, you can get lost in the rabbit hole or multiple rabbit holes there if you want to. I just 
I opt out. And, you know, my friends over on the libertarian side of things, again, wholeheartedly agree, just we can't get things done. That leaves us the Republican Party. That leaves us working with the people that believe that compromising on principles matter is a good idea. I, I don't know how else to phrase it. I, I fully believe in compromising on progress, compromising on um, personal choice, compromising on performance or how you're doing things, right? The preferred methods, but on the principles you shouldn't be. Now, depending on what those principles are, that gets dicey, right? If you believe in zero compromise, well, you're going to be kind of disappointed. If it's your principle to never compromise, never, you know, take a win, even if it's a 58% win when you can get it and instead take the loss on something for 75 or 80%, I just, I don't see that. The problem is, is we've given up so much ground and we've done such a bad job of protecting liberty, protecting the constitution, protecting the things that really truly matter, you know, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, that kind of stuff, that there are a lot of people that are noticeably and rightly upset about that. And that's just the world we live in. So I'm wholeheartedly on board with the idea we should take every win we can and keep moving forward. Nibble around the edges, push back where we can, take the things that they're not holding, you know, utilize a strategy of going to where the enemy's not and taking and holding that ground and using that as a platform to fight back. These are all different things that we can and should be looking at. We're just not doing a good job of it. And just as an aside, uh, if you listen to yesterday's episode, I referenced something that uh, took place last night that I was involved in. And I, I want to say it this way. I believe everybody in that room is on the same team. I wholeheartedly disagreed with several things that were trying to be accomplished. Um, I would say not on a matter of principle, but on a matter of not a good idea. Just more trouble than it's worth, in my opinion. I stand by that. But I also say I lost. I own the loss. I'm prepared to move on and let bygones be bygones. I certainly hope those that stood against me, who had a majority, feel the same way. But we'll wait and see. <laughs> Personal note over. <laughs> All right. On to the program. Six minutes in. Here we go. So on this Testify Tuesday, I want to bring up a couple of things. And I'm curious if anybody's been paying attention. And, and I want you to think about it. I don't want you to get lost in the details or the conspiracy or blame. I'm not looking to do any of that. I am looking to see if you're paying attention like I am. And look, some of the stuff gets pointed out to me. And then as soon as I see it, it's like, oh, yeah, that does connect to that. Or that makes sense. Or that's a piece of the puzzle I didn't know about. So I don't claim to be all knowing and all seeing here. So I'm imparting this to you as a gift Somebody brought it to my attention. I'm passing it along to you. So item number one, the cost of insurance, vehicle insurance. In the last two years, <laughs> my, my vehicle insurance is basically doubled. Now I will freely admit part of that's on me. And I would accept a 20 or 30% adjustment on me. But 100% or darn near 100%, I think it's 
I don't I didn't run the actual numbers. I just kind of did the little ballpark rounding situation there. But it's at least 50% higher. That'd be probably the best way to approach this. It's at least 50% higher than any way I can understand and justify from my actions or my family's actions. It makes no sense to me. And I know this isn't just me because I speak to my in-laws. I speak to you know other family members. And pretty much across the board, they've talked about these massive jumps in cost of insurance. Now, insurance carriers, they carry multiple forms of insurance, you know, auto, home, life, health, right? So if they're taking a bath, right? If they're losing money in one area, what's one way they can offset that loss? Well, clearly they can take more money in an area that, you know, is not affected as much. So just think to yourself, what might've happened? I don't know, say starting in 2000 or 2001, that could have caused issues that would necessitate the insurance companies to re-figure out their mix so that they can stay with a net positive cash flow. Draw your own conclusions here, folks. It's not that hard to figure out. But if I say certain keywords, well, you know, the algorithm's going to come in and chomp up this episode as well. <laughs> you know, those double-digit episodes are a kick in the teeth, but you know, when you've got a day before or a day after that you can hit over 800, you just take it, take it. It's the way it rolls. All right. Second issue, I believe related, but again, are you paying attention? We have a, let's call a sudden increase of cancers, whether it's reoccurring cancer, i.e. returning, or what they would are now calling turbo cancer, i.e. cancer that normally would progress and would take uh, say a year to five years before you're at the point where you lost the battle and it's compressed. So I've had direct information. Uh, we'll call it, um, I can't think of the right term. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. We'll, we'll just say that the information I directly observed or saw or was in somehow pulled into the loop, but I don't know all the details and it's, it's not a technical diagnosis or whatever else, but it is a, what I would call a strange occurrence with something that I have direct knowledge of, of the people involved in this. Okay. So on a cancer that in theory, is terminal or maybe survivable, the survivable becomes terminal, terminal quickly. And the, the terminal that might've been say two to four years is now, you know, six months to a year. So you got to ask yourself, how did this happen? Why is this happening? What's changed? Now, again, if the rate goes up, let's say 5%, Maybe you don't pay any attention, but if it's going up like 25%, well, you should raise some eyebrows here. You should consider what's going on. What's different? What's changed? Again, the same basic time period here. Might there be a corollary that could be causation? We don't know that. We're not saying that, but we're just adding these things up, right? This is all corollary, coincidental uh, evidence that maybe becomes something 
All right. Now, the next thing, again, I would say related, we have an issue of what's called excess death. That is, there's an expectation on these people that do this for a living where they expect X percentage of people to die in any given time frame. So I'm going to make numbers up. I don't know what they are. I don't really care. This is where you would go talk to an actuary if you can find one. Or, or if you have questions about the cancer stuff, you'd go find a doctor that's willing to talk to you about it. And they could probably give you a little bit better explanation of what they're seeing. They're probably not going to draw a conclusion because they want to stay employed, but they, they can perhaps elaborate on what they're seeing. So if you expect, and we're again, making numbers up just for the purposes of this example, a death percentage of the total population of let's call it 5%. I don't know what it is, but let's just say it's 5%. If that jumps up to seven or 8%, I mean, that's pretty much a 50% increase there. Something's going on. But if it's jumping up to say 10%, and I don't know what that is, right? I don't know what these macro numbers are. And depending on how you break it and slice it and dice it, I, I'm sure this is where your actuary would come in. They would have some conclusions of logic that, hey, we have unaccounted for excess death year over year or month over month or decade over decade. There's something going on here. Now, again, just using observation and logic, might we deduce or come to a conclusion that something else started occurring at this point a little over four years ago? Might there have been something else at play? What could be related to these excess deaths? How do we account for this? Why is nobody really talking about it? Now, there's all sorts of other, let's call them um, anecdotal evidences of strange things being found when it had to do with dead bodies. But setting all that aside, let's just say none of that matters. Just looking at an average, an expected average that's proved out over a long period of time. And if it's got a sudden spike, what might be the cause of that? And I'm not talking about, hey, we're over in that place in Europe where they're currently fighting over an area because of language differences. And yes, I'm purposely being obtuse. Again, I'm trying to avoid getting this spiked, but if you set that aside, that doesn't account for excess mortality in the United States or the UK or France or Germany or, or really any of the countries in Africa, starting in Nigeria, going down to South Africa, going over to Ethiopia, and then back over to uh, Ghana. I mean, none of this really makes sense. So now that you've got your thinking cap on and you're considering this, what might be the common link? What might have started happening at this point about four years ago? What might we conclude? Now, look, a lot of people made choices based upon the information they are provided. A lot of people trusted people that have since proven to not be worthy of trust, whether they were government employees they were mouthpieces or they were propaganda people or just people that should have known better but didn't. 
when we when we draw these three things together, that should lead to a number of conclusions for sure, but ad- additional questions. What are we supposed to think about this? What maybe is at play? I apologize for that pause. <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't know where to go with this, right? What what shall we think about this? What should we consider is that, you know, the background of this. When we consider all that we've seen and play out. Now, I want to I want to caution you. I think very little of this has to do with a resident at 1600. I think very little of this has to do with any specific one person. Now, again, if you're in that rabbit hole, I'm sure you can name a whole list of people that are involved or know more or propagated what we've been dealing with. But at the end of the day, you can't do anything about that. The bell's been rung. We have to move on. We have to find a way to go forward. So I myself still believe there are legitimate political solutions that can be brought along or brought to bear. Let's put it that way. They're getting slim. They're getting few and far between. They're getting more desperate. So when, when people give me grief, when people push back on the idea of Texas, right? Or why would you support the Texas nationalist movement? And yeah, I, I realize this will probably get it spiked, but um, understand that I'm merely acknowledging the world that we live in. It's not what I want. It's not what my first choice would be. It's, it's not even the best outcome possible. It's just an option. And in my opinion, at this point, it's the least bad option in some cases, right? Before we even go to that conclusion, let me remind you of all we said. I've always said this. I want the de facto option first and foremost. I think the de facto option is far more powerful, far more appropriate, and quite frankly, gives us the best of both worlds. Now, I'm perfectly fine with the de jour option or the ultimate goal being de jour, but I also know that we're not ready yet. We don't have a culture of independence. In fact, we're importing people that know dependence, now, which is interesting because a lot of those same folks that get pointed or painted with the brush of being welfare queens for, or how, however you want to phrase it, not my term, but just go with me here. They get painted in that corner. I haven't found that to actually be true. They are playing the game. They are working the system. And that's because they've been shown how and they've been encouraged to do so. Now, hopefully we'll get past that. Hopefully we'll understand or they will understand that at the end, this is just another method of asserting control over people. But we can't do that with the current way things are going. And as we deal with the excessive costs that we have to bear in the insurance, the excessive, mm, let's call medical issues related to, or perhaps caused by the cancer that seems to come out of nowhere, and then deal with the idea that we do have excess death and we have a population that in many ways is shrinking only to be supplanted by another population that doesn't know and respect the liberty, the constitution, the 
Western culture as we understand it. There's a lot going on there. But I refuse to hate people that are merely looking to better their own situation, that are merely taking advantage of a bad system that we allow to be set up. I I refuse to blame them for doing that. I want to bring them in the fold. I want to encourage them and I want to show them, hey, these are all the things that they've done to us that they're going to do to you. Perhaps you ought to consider what team do you want to be on? Perhaps you ought to consider what's a better option here. Perhaps it may even be more, let's say, opportunistic for you to get training, education, money, and go back and fight for these very same things in your homeland. And while we're on the topic of the homeland, if you wonder how Scotland got to be a a progressive nightmare that it is now, if you wonder how Ireland basically sold themselves out at this point now, that's because we got all the good ones. I mean, that's a historical, you know, thing. And perhaps saying it's the good ones is not the best way to phrase it. But kind of go with me here. We got the pro-freedom, the adventurous, the, the people that had a, a much stronger work ethic. They came here. Not all of them. But even if it's a just a high percentage of them. Even if we got... a a favorable outcome by the amount of positive people we got out of Scotland and Ireland. Clearly they work the opposite way in their home countries. And that's got to be devastating what they're doing to those countries. And if you have an affinity for those countries, much like the new arrivals have an affinity for where they came from, you might want to consider what can we do to fix that? How do we deal with that? Just saying. Western culture is failing because Western culture no longer has a will to live, in my opinion. Now, whether we want to blame that on the things that we've previously discussed, those three corollary ideas of negativity that directly correlate to a, let's call it a specific point in time in our history, approximately four years ago, I don't know. But I'm here to bring it to you. I'm here to testify that this is stuff I'm seeing going on. This is stuff that I've had brought to my attention. This is stuff that causes me to pause and be concerned. And how do I want to deal with this? And what's the best way to overcome this? And I really don't have a lot of good answers. It's frustrating. You know, I'm the first guy to play cheerleader. I'm the first guy that says, just get off your butt and get involved. I'm the first guy that says, we can still do something about this. Honestly, you can't make somebody undead. You can't make somebody unsick. You you cannot revive somebody that's given up. Now, the good news is there's going to be a remnant. There is a remnant. How big, how elaborate, how active, I don't know just yet. I haven't given up hope on Texas. In fact, that's all I'm holding to at this point. This is enough of us in Texas, whether they were naturally born here or got here as soon as they could, like I did, that care about liberty, they care about doing the right thing, they care about Western culture, they care about preserving things of value, right? We can coalesce in Texas and we can make a difference. We can overcome the excess expense 
that's bleeding people dry, whether it's insurance or food costs, we can overcome the unfortunate diseases and losses of life to an extent by recreating more lives, right? Procreating. We can do these things and it maybe will take a generation to recover. Maybe it's going to take two generations. All is not lost. But if you keep focusing on the end is now, the end is here, you're never ever going to recover. You're never ever going to be able to do better. So as I finish this up, as I wrap this up, I've testified, I've talked about these things that I'm seeing that are negative. They're, they're bad news. I've kind of given you hints at what I think might be related. I'm not making any accusation per se. I'm not blaming any one person per se. You know, like that? Yeah. But I am saying we have to accept the world we live in. We have to adapt to what's going on. But there is a way forward. It requires that we do something, that we get involved, that we stand for important things. We stand for the things we believe in. We stand for the things that are worth fighting for. We protect our young. We protect our families. We protect our culture. We protect our churches. We have to do this. We cannot be dependent on some figurehead. We cannot be dependent on government. We cannot be dependent upon some mythical leader that's waiting out there in the wings to come and rescue us. We have to lead on our own. We have to work together. We have to be willing to put aside preferences. We have to be willing to put aside stylistic differences. We need to focus on the things that we wholeheartedly agree on and get those wins and get those movements moving. (laughs) Sorry about that. And get people active and interested and understand that we can still do something. And I gotta be honest, that's a challenge. I myself struggle with this from time to time. It it was a rough weekend in many ways. The whole month of January was rough. At the end of the day, I know Christ is still king. He still sits on his throne and Jesus is my Lord and Savior. So whatever I do, whatever happens, whether I die or not, I go home with him. Whether I'm successful or not, I will look forward to hearing well done, good and faithful servant. If I should fail, if I should fall, I will get back up and try again. I will get back up and pick up either the cross or the sword, whichever it may be in that given day and go on in. I will continue to tarry until I'm called home. I don't expect to go anywhere soon. And even when I do, I hope that these podcast episodes will serve, if not a rallying cry, just some reassurance that you can still do something that you can make a difference, that all is not lost. And even when all is lost here on earth, there is something there beyond for you, if you know Jesus. And with that, this has been According to Callus, and I will see you on the other side.